Mindfulness Mode, Episode 48. When I know what I'm supposed to be doing, when I'm clear about my priorities, I'm present and I'm calm. There's just no other place to be. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for the great reviews on iTunes. I'm going to read one by M.R. Alexander at Sustainable Mind. Totally authentic. You can tell that the host really cares about this topic and does a great job in sharing his passion with the listener. Lots of actionable tips that are applicable no matter what you are doing. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Jay Papazan on the line today. Hey, Jay, are you in mindfulness mode? Absolutely, Bruce. That's great. Jay Papazan is a writer. He spent several years editing at HarperCollins Publishers and has written a number of best-selling books, including The Millionaire Real Estate Agent, which he wrote with Gary Keller of Keller Williams Realty. Jay also co-authored the number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. Now I'd like to ask, what's the one most important thing in your life right now that you're working on? It almost always is a book that we're preparing to write in terms of my work life. Mm -hmm. It's a book that we're preparing to write or one that we've launched into the world and are now nurturing and supporting, hoping it can find a life of its own. Gary, I love his philosophy. He doesn't really want to write timely books. He really wants to write timeless ones. And we've written 12 books together and we don't, we certainly aren't batting a thousand or anything, but we've written a few that have really stayed out there for a while. And I really want our latest book, which we'll probably talk about some today, The One Thing, I really want that to be out there and just kind of having an audience that goes on because that's the goal. We want to help people for a long period of time. Right. Well, Jay, I know that one of the central ideas in the book is about clarity and focus, and that's important to you in your life just wondering, at what point in time did that become your priority? Boy, I wish I could go back and talk to my 20-year-old self. Um, I think we think we're focused because we're being ambitious. We think we're focused because we're getting results. Um, I think it's really, I've just got to go back to my partner and mentor, Gary. What he really taught me was to look out farther at a more meaningful goal and work backwards. Um, It's one thing to be scurrying forward um, like so many people are. There's a real kind of calmness that comes from when you really have a clear sense of your mission, a bigger bigger purpose, and are asking each day how my behavior today lines up with that. I'm not sure I'm answering your question completely, but it's that's where I, I look back and I think, man, I wasted three decades of my life. It probably was in my early 30s or late 20s that I started to figure this thing out. It's not about the activities we do. It's about how productive we can be towards what's most meaningful to us. That really does answer my question. And Jay, I'm wondering, what does, what does mindfulness mean to you? Wow. It's a word that has been definitely um, in vogue lately. Um, nice. And it's come to mean, um, and we, we laughed about this before we started the interview, you know, directly meaning meditation. Yes. Um, when we were researching the book, it was a word that came up a lot because our book is a lot about clarity and being clear on your priorities. 
And if I had, you know, a gun to my head, you've got to answer from the bottom of your heart. For me personally, it means really, truly understanding your priority in the moment. Can you be present and focused on what needs to be now? And for me, when that's happening, I feel like I'm being mindful. I'm just wondering, as a writer, how do you use mindfulness in order to stay focused just on the writing? Because that's the challenge that I hear from a lot of writers. You know, I think um, one of the, the topics in the book is this idea of mastery. And I got real clear on this idea that to be the best we can be, um, at whatever it is we choose to do. And I definitely identify as a writer or a communicator. Um, you have to do it a lot. And it can be hard to do the same things day in and day out. Uh, I think it's easy to get bored. Um, to me, it always comes back to why is it so important that I do this? And um, if you understand kind of the why behind what you're doing and stay mindful of that, I think it gets you through the rainy days. And this is a bad metaphor, but you think about an Olympic athlete. They make so many sacrifices on that journey to competing. And you see the, the, the videos during the Olympics. You know, they had a, some, a picture taped up on their mirror. They had something in their, in their world that they were always reminded of their, what, what this was all about. And I think that on a higher spiritual level, you know, I shared with you that, you know, underlying almost everything that I do, when I try to be the best I can be, it's really about earning the respect of my wife and being in integrity with my children. Like, I remind myself on the days that I don't want to write, that I don't want to do my best, that that's why I'm doing it. Um, I mean, I just, just stop me if this is too far. But I, I remember, gosh, 2011, maybe, I was asked to help write a book on commercial real estate. And I was like, wow, this is so far outside my focus. I'm, you know, we've write, written books about residential real estate and investing, and this is a whole different ballgame. And I was kind of irritated. It felt like it was outside my focus. Right. And because of the nature of our partnership, it was still the right thing to do. And I remember coming home to my wife and saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to interview my co-author, and he's the expert, and I'm just going to pretty much make it an interview-based book. And, you know... I'm trying to kind of talk my way through how I can handle this chore I've been given. And I'm paraphrasing her and she's heard me tell this to people. So I know it's factual in its intent, but she said, you tell your family that you're an author, but it sounds a lot like you're preparing to mail it in. And I was, I, Oh, it just floored me. I was like, Oh man. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah. Now that you say that, I went back and I, I recommitted myself to that project. I dove in and became as much of an expert as I could be in that subject. And that book, um, it was called Shift Commercial, barely sold any copies because the market is so small, but it was voted one of the top three books that came out that year in our industry. And for the least financially successful book I've probably ever worked on, I may be the proudest of that one because it was the one I least wanted to work on but because I identified the why behind the what I was doing, I was still able to give it my best effort. 
great. That is that is a really great story. It, and it really helps sometimes to hear something bounce back to us, reflected back like your wife did. So it really helped you, obviously. I, I have trouble if you heard it in my voice. I tear up when I tell that story. Yeah. It was a visceral moment where I got very clear on what my true priorities were. It wasn't about this particular job. It was about a journey I was on and I needed to be committed to the journey. Gary, in your book, The One Thing, there's a section that talks about the monkey mind. And we all know what that <laughs> means. You know, your mind is going here, it's going there, it's going all over the place. And I think that's what that's what gives us all a challenge to stay focused. Now, how do you manage to deal with that monkey mind to just move forward in one direction? Oh, that was a quote from one of my favorite poets, Billy Collins. So I'll just plug him. If you've never read a Billy Collins poem, you have missed out on life. He was our poet laureate. Uh, and he talked about, he was talking about multitasking. Right. And um, he called it monkey mind. And um, I thought it was funny because I think my wife said, and she goes, and it'll drive you bananas. And we just started having fun with it. <laughs> um, the world is really kind of lined up with so many opportunities and obligations for the average person. We look up and maybe we have aging, aging parents and we have a to-do list there or we have small children and we have our job and we have our health and the things, our hobbies. And if you start to look at it that way, you get so overwhelmed. And there is a real temptation to scurry and do so many things at once. And that to me is the essence of monkey mind. And um, gosh, I want to say it was maybe – Maxwell, um, you know, the, the 21 laws of leadership, I may have been hearing him speak and he said something. There are two kinds of yeses. There's the kind of yes that says no to everything else. And the kind of says yes, and I'm still doing other stuff. And, um, the book is really about identifying the big yeses and, and think of in terms of a spouse because I said I do to you, I, I said no to everyone else. And we're really clear on those yeses. And I think that the book is helping people do that a little bit more um, with the tools that I've observed from Gary. And that's really what was, drove a lot of the book is like this is what he was living. And then we researched it and backed it up. What it allows me to do each day and each week is because I know what I've said yes to it actually has made my life and some of the people I work with, it makes it easier for them because it's easier to say no to the other stuff. Um, have you ever heard that expression, you know, that man's on a mission or that woman's on a mission? Yes, I have. I think when we inherently understand that when someone knows their mission, they're not to be bothered, right? right. Yes. They're, they're moving, but they're moving with focus. Yes. And I think when you learn to express that, hey, I'm sorry, I can't help you today. I really would like to. But I've really, my focus today is X. You try not to say no to the person, but you're just guarding your time. It, it's made my life a lot simpler, maybe calmer and less stressed. Right. Yeah, we do all have to guard our time or else, yeah, things just get out of hand. That's for sure. Well, with all your emphasis on, on focus and mindfulness as it pertains to being you know, having that clarity and direction. Have you ever had a challenge with this where you just thought, oh, this whole thing, it's just, it's exhausting. I just want to just live my life. Just forget it. I'll just do whatever. Have you ever felt those kinds of frustrations? Of course. Doesn't everybody? Yeah. I mean, it's part of the journey. Yes. I, I, it always a little bit irritates me when people pretend otherwise. Mm -hmm. 
I remember watching um, my partner go on stage. It was pretty early in our writing career together. And he chose to share in front of thousands of people um, some of the family struggles he was going through with his mom. And, you know, his son had had, um, you know, some drug things happening and they'd had the police at their house. And when he came off stage, I just said, I, I was curious. And I was also like, wow, you know, what about his son? What about his wife? You know, did he get permission to share those stories? Nice. And he said, Jay, there's all these people out there and they're in this company and I'm on the big stage. And when people are on the big stage, so many people are thinking, you know, that guy's life is different than mine. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's able to do that. But I just sometimes you have to remind people that we all face the same stuff all yes. the time. So anyway, I just I like being transparent. I love people who are transparent. And I, I fail a thousand times on the path to succeeding. So um, on this particular journey, I have the most difficulty when I say yes to something. I think there's two things that that foul us up and they're in the thieves section of the book. Some people have trouble saying no to other people because we inherently want to help others. We want to be liked by others. We're afraid of the cost of saying no. And there's this fear of chaos that if we say something, yes to something and give it a lot of our time, that there's all this stuff that's being undone. And if you're people oriented, Bruce, I think you really struggle with the saying no. And if you're task oriented, you really struggle with the chaos. I tend to be more task oriented. So I can kind of say no to people. Mm -hmm. um, I want them to like me. But I'm also just kind of like I'm focused. I kind of came with that. But what I struggle with is we're writing a book and we're writing four hours a day. And it can take that kind of commitment over a long period of time to, to really produce a great book. We, we were on that path for like four years. And there's a lot of stuff that's not being done. And you just have to remind yourself that if it was really important, I would be focused on it. You know, it's the, the idea of don't let the little stuff, you know, trip you up. It's easier said than done for me, at least personally. So that's where I struggle if I had to share my area of biggest challenge with focus. It's the little stuff, the disorder that shows up when you're really focused on your one thing. Yes, and Mindful Tribe, I think you identify with this. We all identify with this. There are little things that just keep seeming to get in our way. And so that's why it's so important to understand how to get focus and get centered on those goals and clarity to just move straight ahead. I'm interested in your time at HarperCollins, Gary. Do you have any stories from those days where – you know, maybe there was a challenging thing going on and then mindfulness just kind of pulled you through it. Um, what immediately came to mind, I don't think I was aware of the word mindful then, just to be honest right. with you. Sure. Um, that was definitely during my ambitious, I wanted to be in books, I loved books, you know, and that was a, the, it's a very competitive atmosphere in its own way, intellectual way to be in publishing but I can remember I took on the challenge of running the New York Marathon. And um, it came right about the time I met my future wife. Um, I had had my second boss get laid off above me. And I had like 30 or 40 books that I was helping run that year. Mm -hmm. And for a new editorial assistant, it was a lot on my plate. And I remember that journey, just the the, the running and, you know, you talk about the runner's high. I remember jogging around the reservoir in Manhattan for hours, really, because you'd run 14 miles one day or whatever. And that quiet, that peace, I can remember just 
waiting to step out of the office, put on my headphones and start running. And I, I found that was the, one of the most centering things I've ever done, not only the physical part of it, but the emptying of it. I could just focus on that act activity for long periods of time. I found that, that I don't know that I would have made it through that particular summer without that. Well, I've read that you love fishing, and I'm wondering if you see that as a mindful activity as well. Um, when I'm in my right mindset, yes. And it's been, I, I had that taught to me. My friend Dan Oko, shout out to my friend Danny, um, taught me to fly fish. Uh-huh. And um, it happened late in life after I'd moved to Texas in 2000. And what I fell in love with, they call it fishing. And I think that in my mind, it was always called catching. And I would get really frustrated to be fishing and not catching fish. Yes. And what he taught me and what fly fishing taught me is that the act of managing the line and working the fly, and this is now transferred to just any form of this activity on the water, that that's where the joy is. If you happen to catch a fish, that's great too. But to focus on, I can't wait to go get on the water. I can't wait to go do this activity instead of focusing on, and I'll get a picture of a fish or whatever. And I, I just think that kind of, uh, I actually had an outline at one point, um, the Tao of fly fishing. I was just like, I, it was such an eye opener for me to make that transformation to divorce myself from the outcome and commit myself to the activity was very freeing for me. Right. Well, you know, what you've described really is what we're encouraged as entrepreneurs to do, to concentrate on the journey. Just think about the journey and not the result, not the destination so much. So that's a great analogy, I think, Jay. Can I jump in real quick? That is, we teach a lot of entrepreneurs. And honestly, that's what Gary has always taught. And that's what I teach. What's the activity that will lead you most directly to the outcome you want? For most businesses, it's some form of lead generation. You can't control the outcome, but you can control the activity. So just put your focus there. And it's almost like a, a poker player you know, that, that knows that I can put $100 out there and I've got a 20% chance of winning 1000 They might lose four times, but statistically, they'll win on that fourth. And they're just going to keep playing the activity because they know it's a winning activity and trust that the long journey will take them there. And when business owners and entrepreneurs take that mindset, boy, the stress goes away and actually the results go up. I've just seen it again and again. Right. Great advice. I'm interested in your comments about discipline. And I know that as a Mm -hmm. writer, you know, no one needs more discipline than writers. And it's so important. Otherwise, you just won't won't accomplish anything. What are your comments on discipline, Jay? This was a huge aha for me, Bruce, when we were researching the book. And you asked nine out of 10 people what discipline means. Um, Actually, yes, 10 people. Five people are going to tell you it's punishment. Mm hmm. And then about four people are going to tell you it's mental fortitude, like mental discipline, right? Which is, I think, where you were going. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very loosey-goosey word. And so in the one thing, um, we actually wrote this idea of needing more discipline is a lie and that you don't need to be too caught up in it. And our angle on that is we wanted to redefine it for people and talk about habits. So here's how we define discipline. It's training yourself to do something until it's habitual. Um, I use the example 
of a soldier that I met when I was teaching the book in Tennessee. He showed up for my presentation almost 90 minutes early. And this was like at 7 a.m. So it was really early mm. in, the, in, in all senses of the word. And I just went up to him and I just said, wow, you won the early bird award. Um, you know, did you misjudge traffic? You know, it was just a, it was a lot easier than you thought. He goes, no, um, I'm always early. It's a habit. And when he said the habit word, and I knew I was going to be teaching them about discipline that day, I said, tell me more about that. And it was really cool. And I, I, I missed some of the numbers exactly. But basically, he said, um, more than 10 years ago or 19 years ago, I was a Green Bray. Mm-hmm. And for 10 straight years, I was taught to show up early and observe before I act. And I can't shake the habit. And that was huge for me. It was crystallizing on this idea Here's someone who just trained himself until a behavior was so ingrained, he didn't have to think about it. And our point with the one thing is you don't need to have discipline in all things, but if you want to be a writer, you just need to have the discipline to write every day. So make that a habit. Make your stand around that activity. I'm just going to write every day or five days a week, whatever your commitment is, and then the results will come over time. I mean, you read the biographies of Stephen King and all these people, and they'll tell you great writers do two things. They write and they read. So make those two things a habit. And that's what we that's what our discussion around discipline. Did I did I go where you wanted me to go exactly, there, Bruce? Exactly. Exactly. You just need to show up. It's it's so true. And and it's so true that so many see the word discipline as being a negative. And uh, so whether you use a word or you don't use the word, you just need to show up. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. People I, think of habits. Some people, I get excited at that. Yeah. But I had one friend say, ah, habits sound hard. That sounds like work to me. Oh. So I guess how you think about it matters too. So yeah. you know, sure. discipline is actually a freeing thing um, when, you, when you understand what it really means. It frees up a lot of effort spent. True. And I can't believe how relaxed and calm I feel when I do show up early at an event. If I if I just determined to just show up early, whether I'm speaking at an event or doing, you know, some kind of a another thing, I show up early and it's like there's no pressure. It's so relaxing. So I just love that feeling. You know, there's a that's a metaphor for something much larger. And you've read the book. You know this. Yes. If you know what your one thing is. And you know you should make it a habit to, you know, for you to be as successful as you can. We teach people to do it in the morning. Um, and we make that about willpower because we tend to have the most mental fortitude, that other thing they think discipline is, in the morning. And that's a, if we want to go down that path, we can go down there. But my point being, when you just said that, I, I feel so relaxed when I show up early. Um, a lot of the things that are most important to me for my marriage, um, for my health, for my writing, for my job, I'll get done before about 10 in the morning, um, maybe noon on the outside. And what I can feel is a little bit like you just described when you show up early, how you're relaxed. There's none of that stress. When you do your most important work before 8 a.m., you kind of feel like virtuous the rest of the day. You know, when you postpone it, I personally tend to feel guilt, um, stress. I know that there's this thing that's not been done um, and I carry that through my days. So I I just add, let's be early with doing our most important work, whatever that is for the people listening, whether it's maybe it's their their meditation practice, right? If they're listening to this podcast, maybe doing that first thing 
they've prepared themselves for their day versus thinking about doing it, thinking about doing it, and then finally doing it. Right. Jay, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade, and I'm wondering if you have a story about bullying, whether it's adult, child, whatever, where mindfulness may have or did make a difference. Wow. I really um, I had to think about this one. And what came to mind, and I don't want to name names, but there was probably in my sixth grade year, I was playing basketball and if you saw me now, I'm, I'm 6'2", 215 pounds. I, I was really small back then. I did not make the basketball team in seventh grade because I was so short. Uh-huh. And so I was the victim of a bully. And I remember being, you know, intimidated and angry and telling my dad about it. And my dad being, uh, you know, a, a redneck from the country mm-hmm. just said the next time he bullies you, Punch him in the nose. He won't do it again. I mean, literally, that was my father's advice. Good old school redneck. I love him to death. But um, And my mom said, Larry, don't say that. <laughs> and um, so we're lining up in front of the entire, you know, sixth grade. And he pulled my shorts down, like, oh. while I was practicing free throws. And I turned around and hit him in the face with a basketball. I didn't punch him. Yeah. And... Um, so one, my dad ended up being kind of right because he came up and apologized and he never bullied to me again. Mm-hmm. I felt bad. This is where the mindfulness comes. Yes. Two or three years later, I found out that the summer before he was bullying me, his father had had a heart attack alone with him camping. He had tried to give his father CPR and his father had died. Wow. And you're like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have let him, you know, yeah. like. You never know, out. do you? Yeah, you know, you're like, wow, okay, so that just changed my whole perspective on what had actually transpired. Mm -hmm. And what I tell my kids now is, it's not about you, it's about them. Mm -hmm. And if you become curious about that, I think nine times out of 10, it can dispel a lot of it. And I don't know that that's effective or not. But in my mind, I'm going to come from curiosity. That's what we preach on our team. That's what we preach in our business. Bully shows up in a lot of ways. But if you come from curiosity, maybe you could prevent making a mistake because there is compassion in understanding where it's coming from a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. Jay, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? I'm going to tell you it's my, my, my partner, Gary. Um, he shared with me that whenever he hits his alarm clock, he hits the snooze button. And it's not so he can go back to sleep. He takes that eight minutes and with his eyes closed when he's already in a restful state and he's thankful for all the people and the things in his life. And um, now whenever I wake up before my alarm um, or when I hit the snooze button, I do that too. I can't tell you it's a practice, but it's becoming a habit. And I just think I just remember, he made me mindful of being grateful. Um, and I think I, so he's the guy that comes to mind when you ask that. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? When I know what I'm supposed to be doing, when I'm clear about my priorities, I'm present and I'm calm. There's just no other place to be. It's amazing how that works. Yeah, it is amazing. Tell us how breathing, Jay, is part of your mindfulness practice. How is it that you you get excited, you breathe faster, you get calm, you breathe slower. But even if you're excited, if you breathe slowly, you'll become calm. And I think understanding that 
has allowed me at moments of high stress to quote, I mean, it's a cliche, just breathe. Mm-hmm. So um, that small amount of awareness has given me a new tool to deal with pressure of, of and it shows up in business all the time, right? Just breathe, just breathe. And yes. that deep breath goes a long way. It really does. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be, Jay? Here's where I'm going to throw you a thing. I don't know. I, I could not. I've got books everywhere on here. And I would say that the thing that has shown up more than anything is I learned about the bigger concept of mindfulness from podcasts like yours. I kept hearing it that the most successful people on earth as a part of their morning rituals were practicing mindfulness. And that's what actually led me to it. And so call it interviews. So I didn't actually get that idea from a book. I usually say, Go listen to Tim Ferriss' podcast for a, a few months and ask, what are they all doing that you're not? And as chances are, it's mindfulness. For sure. And if it's okay in the show notes, I'd like to put The One Thing as your recommended book because in my mind, it is a really powerful book about mindfulness, even though it's not talking very much about mindfulness. Well, thank you. I can't recommend my own book. That no. would be really <laughs> well, uncouth. So thank you for well, doing I'd it. I'd like to do it for you, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Jay, what advice would you give a person who is new to this whole idea of mindfulness and focus and clarity, and they'd like to start getting it in their life? What would you suggest to them? Um, Think big, start small. So imagine what your life would be if you really were succeeding at a high level and then start really small. Um, All of the research we did is if you really want something to be a habit, um, start with a target that is so attainable, you could almost trip over it and, and, and build momentum on that success. Um, I shared with you in trying to be more rigorous in my habit, I'd failed twice last year to form the quote habit. And I went from trying to do 10 minutes a day to five minutes a day. And my next attempt is going to be to just three minutes every day. I'm going to keep shortening it until it just happens. Because I know if I have a baseline by starting small, then I can pat myself on the back and then add to it. That's easier to add to something than to start big and go through lots of failure. So start small. Yes, it is. And meditation is really worth it, even if it's 30 seconds or a minute. I think it's really worth it. Jay, it's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you today. And I'm wondering, how can Mindful Tribe learn more about what you do or contact you? Um, what's wonderful is my name is Googleable, so they're free to reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook. But Really, my home base these days is at theonething.com, and that's the one thing with the number one. Right. Okay. Well, Jay, like I say, it's been such an honor and a pleasure to uh, talk with you today and learn more about your focus on on clarity and getting centered. It's just fantastic. And of course, I absolutely loved the book, The One Thing, and encourage anybody and everybody to download that book or to buy the book like I did and and just spend some time with it and really let yourself absorb what is being said there. So thanks so much, Jay. All the best to you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. 
Stay in the mode.